Welcome to My Two Cents with Keith Beggs from Steadfast Wealth Strategies. In this podcast, we show high-level executives and business owners why comprehensive financial planning and executive bonus structures don't have to be too good to be true. Keith draws on his experience in realistic financial planning, and expert guests share his two cents about academically-based financial planning that you have to hear to believe. Now, on to the show. This is the My Two Cents Podcast with Keith Beggs of Steadfast Wealth Strategies. I'm Patrice Sikora. In this episode, it's bullies. Keith is going to tackle the three types of Wall Street bullies. All right, Keith, what exactly do you mean by a Wall Street bully, and why should investors be aware of these folks? Yeah, so when we talk about Wall Street bullies, we're talking about people in in the financial sector we feel like this has been going on for a while that bully work and pressure people either through the media or through fear tactics into investing in certain ways that we believe end up hurting their American dream or hurting their retirement. We feel that there's like that there's a lot of fear involved in investing. And so if they can put you in a fearful position, then you'll just kind of trust whatever they say to do and, and go with it and not really study or understand what's going to happen. And then I feel like a lot of people get taken advantage of that way. So they kind of make you feel stupid so you won't ask questions? (laughs) They can. I mean, I think a lot of people in the investment world tend to make investing sound way more difficult than it is so that you'll just trust them, Mm. right? And they they don't have to do a lot of explanation. Now, investing can be extremely complicated, right? I'm not um, saying it can't be. Execution can be very difficult when you're trying to execute some of these philosophies or ideas. But I tend to feel that most people that are close to retirement that have assets that are looking to invest or to, to, to plan for retirement can understand the basics of this stuff very, very easily and can really comprehend what's going to be going on. All right. You say there are three types that you want to talk about today. What's the first one? Yeah. So the first one we like to talk about is the con men. And, and the con men we say are the easiest to spot because uh, they're typically in the jumpsuits, right? They'll have the orange jumpsuits <laughs> on. And, uh, and these are the Ponzi schemes that are out there. These are the Reed Slackens. These are the Thomas Peters. This is Alan Stanford. This is Bernie Madoff, right? This is the too good to be true kind of situation. And a lot of times what happens here is you might be writing a check to their company. Uh, you'll write a check to Alan Stanford's company versus like an E-Trade or a Schwab or something like that, that holds the money like a custodian. What they do there is they promise you things that they can't back up and they do false reporting, right? And then that's how you kind of get conned out of your money. That was the whole Bernie Madoff scheme. He was making reports were falsifying reports, returns for his clients that weren't actually happening. He was taking that money and spending it. We're doing whatever he wanted with it, but they kept getting statements per se from his company saying that things were going great. And so they were just leaving the money there. Right. And at the end of the day, it was all a Ponzi scheme or a house of cards. Uh, there was no money left there and it, it kind of all came crashing. And I'll tell you, a lot of people say that can never happen to me. Like there's no way I'd fall for something like that. But I will tell you, some of the people that they got, they got Uma Thurman and Arpad Bosun uh, for over $270 million. They got Walter Noel for $7.3 billion. Um, they got a gentleman out of France and Rene Theory for over $1.4 billion. And, uh, you know, this is sad, but he ended up committing suicide over all this, right? You know, for being, for being conned like that and getting conned by, and, and with his client's money. So it's happened to a lot of people. And, and they got people from all over the country. So you need to be aware of it. Well, the question what can com- you do? Yeah, the question, comes, the question comes up. I mean, what can you do? How do you, what are the signs to look for for a con man? 
Yeah. So you should never write a check to a personal company's investment portfolio, right? So um, we're steadfast wealth strategies. I will never have a client wire over or send money to steadfast wealth strategies that we're investing. Uh, we always use a third-party trust or custodian company that holds the money. And then we can just manage those investments inside that account. So what does that do? Well, we can't take money out or put money in that account. Okay. So we can't you know, ever get money from you uh, illegally. Second, we can't ever falsify the reporting of that account balance because we use a company called Trust Company of America. They're owned by E-Trade. You're always going to get an E-Trade statement as long, along with our investment statement. And if the two numbers at the bottom, if the balance doesn't ba- match up, then you'll know something's go- going on, right? <laughs> so um, most companies use a third-party or custodian-style company to do that. If you're ever re- asked to write a check or to wire money over to a, a investment company or firm, not a custodian company, um, that would be a red flag that I would, I would be looking at. Now, if you just feel uncomfortable about something that's being proposed, isn't that also kind of a red flag? Go research it. Yeah, definitely. You should. I mean, look, we're, you're talking your retirement money here, right? So you should definitely feel comfortable in any type of decision that you're making and do as much research on your own that, that you can do. For these type of, of situations, if everyone else is getting two to three percent in a CD, and Alan Stanford's promising you eight, oh yeah, come on, yeah. If if it's that far out of whack, right? You, you know, there's got to be something there. You didn't stumble on something that no one else has stumbled upon, right? Mm. Don't don't feel like that you found the the sweet spot that nobody else had uh, in terms of that. Where's the money? Where are they? Are they taking the money in person? Where's the money going to a custodian, trust style company okay. um, that holds it? And so then you can get two reports, uh, make sure everything is matching up, and that everything is that they're saying is what you're seeing on the paper. Okay. All right. That's number one, con men. What about number two? Yeah. So the second one, these are the prognosticators. And what they do is they tell you what the, what's going to happen in the future. They have a crystal ball. They can predict what's going to happen with the market into the future, even though all known information is out there and available right now. And the price of every stock is based on all known information right now. Everyone has agreed that that should be the fair price of that stock. Mm-hmm. Um, but these people tell you that they can tell you what's going to happen in the future. Let me give you some examples from the past of, of how this has worked. Barton Biggs in 1993 got on the cover of Forbes magazine in a bear costume and said that we should sell U.S. stocks and buy European and Asian uh, investments. Then in 1999, Harry Dent wrote a book out called The Roaring Two Thousands. Building the wealth and lifestyle you desire in the greatest boom in history. If you would have listened to those two prognosticators and you would have got out of the S&P 500 in 1993, like Barton Biggs said, um, between 93 and 1999, you would have missed over 273% in total returns. Ooh. 22.5% a year. Okay. If you would have then jumped back in, as Harry Dent told you to do in the year 2000, thinking you were going to get the greatest investment time in history, you would have lost 9% over the next 10 years. <laughs> that, oh, well, oh, all right. So, so they're making their money because you're giving them your money and you're not reaping any benefits. Correct. So what happens is they run a formula where they come up with a scenario and they feel like they can predict what's going to happen in the future, right? And there was just a big article um, I don't remember what magazine it was in, uh, but there's a big lawsuit going on right now. Uh, a bunch of unions had put in their pension money into a hedge fund style company that had also figured out that they had an algorithm. They were going to be able to predict what's going to happen into the market future, right? Well, what happened with this hedge fund company? 
right? It's COVID happened. And that hedge fund is down over 90%. And now these unions and their pensions oh. are down over 90%. And their excuse was, well, we didn't know COVID was going to happen. Well, no one did, right? That's why you can't ever yeah. think that you're going to be able to predict the future. It goes back to that. The price of a stock today is based on all known information that everybody has. And we all agree that that's the price on it, right? The only thing that can change the price of a stock with a market into the future is new information or a world event. I don't have any new information that no one else has. And I don't know what the next world event is, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that could be a COVID, that could be a hurricane, right? Katrina, um, that could be Harvey, right? That could be the World Trade Center. All those are things that affect the market. But you have to know those things before they happen to be able to accurately predict the market. And so when someone tells you that they know what's going to happen into the future, that's a clear sign to me that you should run. <laughs> because it's yeah. never been able to have been proven that they can do that. And now that they are speculating and gambling with your money in your retirement. And I don't think too many people want to be speculating and gambling with their retirement. No, I doubt that very, very much. All right. And you've got a third one here. Yeah. So the, the, the third one, um, we talk about these are the gurus, right? And these are the ones that have done it in the past. So they may have beaten the market last year. They may have beaten the market over the last three years. They may have beaten the market over the last five years. And that's great that they were able to do that. But history tells us and all the algorithms tell us just because you did something last year does not mean that you will be able to repeat that into the future. Right. Okay. So it does no good to tell me who beat the market over the last five years. I need to know who's going to be able to beat it over the next five years. And then we just went over that, right? <laughs> right. That's hard to do. So it's, it, it, you're five years too late on telling me that they were going to beat the market if they beat the market over the last five years. So people go back and they tell you what this person did in the past. It has no reflection on what they're going to be able to do into the future when it comes to markets, market timing, right? And, and, and returns moving forward. But they do have something of a track record. They do have a track record, right? But I don't believe in track record investing. And here's why I'll tell you that. Have you ever heard of the law of large numbers? No. So the law of large numbers is if I have enough people doing something, someone's going to be able to do it. Let me give an example. A lot of times we'll have an event and we'll have everyone stand up and we'll give everyone a quarter and we'll tell everyone to flip their quarter. And if you have heads, stay standing. If you have tails, sit down, right? And we'll do that. If we have a room of 100 people, we'll usually get to eight or nine times and someone will still be stand standing. They'll have flipped heads eight times in a row, Okay. Okay. So that's the same person that just beat the market for eight years in a row, right? If we're going to relate this. Mm -hmm. Now, if everyone sits down and they all stand back up again, what are the chances that that person that flips heads eight times in a row, this time, this last time will be the person that does it again in the future? Not very high. They're not very high. It's the same thing, right? But if you have enough people trying, someone's going to be able to do it, right? That's why there are more mutual funds in America than there are actual stocks that you can invest in. Back in 2016, we did a little research. Was 2017, there were over 28,000 mutual funds at that time, and there were only 20,488 companies that you could invest in. So let me ask you, if you knew what was going to happen in the future was going to work, if you were the prognosticator or you were the guru, right? how many mutual funds would you need? You wouldn't. You would only need one mutual yeah. fund. Right. Yeah. And how many companies would be in it? One. 
one company. <laughs> <laughs> so, but if I have, give you an example, Fidelity at the time had over a thousand mutual funds. If I have a thousand people trying to beat the market, someone's going to do it. Someone's going to have done it for one year or maybe the last two years or maybe the last three years. And then I can put them on the cover of the magazine. I could tell them as our next great success story. I can tell all the people that we haven't been doing so well with, hey, we missed here, but you know now we got John Schmo over here. He's the next guru or the next procrastinator we have. Let's move the money over here. And I, I think that's what happens a lot of times with this. They have, a, I mean, 28,000 mutual funds. If these people really knew what was going to happen, we wouldn't need that many. Um, I just don't think that's the proper way to invest. I think equities are the greatest wealth creation tool on the planet, right? I think equities are the greatest wealth creation on the planet. And if you go back and you look historically, you can get over 10 to 12% in an annualized rate of return historically, right? Over a large period of time, that's, you know, if you go back to 1927 or an international 1970, without having to stock pick, without having to market time, or without having to track record invest. And when I just look at the, the returns that the market can give a client, I don't understand why we're so eager to chase greater returns at the risk of losing everything and at the cost of losing our retirement to maybe do a little bit better when history has told us that no one's ever been able to prove how they did it or just because they did it in the past, they've never been able to prove that they could do it again in the future. But I, 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 think, I think investors get caught up. Look, you go talk to someone that's in the financial world and they tell you about this algorithm they made and they can tell you this and that. And if it's not something you're familiar with, it can sound amazing right? And it can sound foolproof and all these type of things. And uh, the next thing you know, you got all your money in there and then COVID hits mm -hmm. and everyone's just kind of looking at each other <laughs> across the table. Yeah. And I'm not saying that our investments don't lose money. That's not it. Our, money, our clients' market investments go up and down as well. But what we tend to do is uh, we have three, three rules of investing. We want to own equities, we want to diversify, and we want to rebalance. And when we say diversification, we take it to the max. I want to own every company available in every democratic country in the world. And democratic is a little bit loosely, but any company, any country or an idea can be turned into a product or a service and I can make money off of that. I want to be involved with that. I don't need to pick the winners and losers. I don't think there's a game in that. I, I think if you just own the market and you have realistic expectations based on your risk reward tolerance, then it's going to give you everything you need plus some, and you're not going to have to have the stress of knowing of not knowing what's going to happen or of, of being concerned if it's all going to fall apart like a house of cards. Aren't there regulators out there, though, that can prevent some of this from happening? Some of these con men, the prognosticators and the gurus? I mean, the con men, yes, right? They go to jail. <laughs> when they get caught, they go to jail, right? right. So definitely they can help you there. Um, on the prognosticators and the gurus, uh, not, not really a lot can be done. I mean, they, some verbiage and language that they have to be very careful, right? So they'll say stuff like appear certain, right? Well, what do you think appear certain <laughs> is supposed to sound like? Appear, appear certain. That, that does not, uh, that, that does not reinforce each other. Right. Appear words. certain. It's supposed to, it's supposed to sound like guarantee, right? Yes. It's supposed to, it's supposed to put off the thought process of guarantee, but it's a wordsmithing, right? Appear certain. So, you know, like they're, they're very smart in how they do these things. These people are very educated, and I'm not saying that they haven't spent a lot of time, effort, and money in designing these algorithms and putting these programs together. What I'm saying is there's no proof that it's going to work 
or if that it does work, it's going to work better than the market did, right? So why are we taking these undue chances? Typically, there's a lot of cost in these types of things as well. The market itself will give us plenty of returns if we own it responsibly and, and we allocate our money based on time framing, right? How quickly do we need the funds? And we don't get over, you know, I always use the analogy, we don't get out over our skis with a lot of these things. And so um, I just don't see the risk reward return there for most clients, especially the clients that we uh, are working with. And I feel more often than not, it comes out worse than it did better. Do you see more incidents of this now, or do you think it's pretty much under control? Well, we haven't seen a big codman thing. I don't think in a while, I think um, a lot of that has kind of uh, fallen off, but it doesn't mean it's fallen off forever. Right. History tends to repeat itself yeah, true, true. <laughs> with a lot, with a lot of this stuff. Prognosticators and gurus. I, I mean, Jim Cramer has still got a show every day on. Oh, he told you to buy Bear Stearns. We won't go you there. Know? We won't go there. So I, I, I don't think it's going away. I, pe- I think people are always going to be looking for advice, and people are always looking for someone that's a guru in a certain area. So I, I don't think it's ever going anywhere. And I'm not, you know, there's a, there's more hedge funds out there than ever at this point. So I, I don't think it's going anywhere. To be in a hedge fund for that type of investing, for the, that type of you got to have a lot of money because you got to be willing to take a lot of losses before you get the big win. And I don't think that fits most people's investment philosophy. No, that's true. That's right? true. Right. I think, I, I just think for most people, for the average American, I don't think that that's, that's where they need to be. Um, well, that's the style of investments that, that are out there. I, I tend to think most people don't realize how much they could get just from the market itself without having to go, you know, and be crazy. But we've seen the rise of Vanguard, right? Vanguard's pretty much an index style fund company. Um, in terms of just owning mass market or, or diversification versus um, trying to pick the winners and losers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I tend to see, um, think that we're getting more towards the index and people are starting to realize that. But all these things go in waves, right? If you look at anything historically, we kind of tend to move far one way and then we kind of tend to move far back the other. And it kind of just ebbs and flows. All right. Keith, if people want to talk to you about your philosophy, how can they reach you? Yeah, so uh, they can reach us um, on our website, and that is steadfastws.com. That stands for Steadfast Wealth Strategies. Um, They can email me at keith at steadfastws.com, or they can call me 832-506-9034. Again, that's 832-506-9034. All right. Thanks, Keith. Keith Beggs of Steadfast Wealth Strategies. To make sure you know about new episodes of Keith's podcast, My Two Cents, use the subscribe button on this page. And of course, you can share with the share button. I'm Patrice Sikora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to My Two Cents with Keith Beggs. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. All securities discussed are offered and provided through Steadfast Financial Planning, LLC. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Steadfast Wealth Strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor and or qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.